0: All right, guys, you're very welcome along to episode 30 of Heartlines. This is Shane again, and I have another very special guest on. He's a mural artist, painter, and illustrator. He's also Tala native. His name is Kevin Bone. How are you doing, Kevin? How are you, Shane? How's it going? All good. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Yeah, so you're an artist, painter, illustrator, but let's go back a bit. I want to know about, like, when you are growing up, were you introduced to art at home, and what was your creative outlet for you, like, uh, artistically?
1: I always drew as a child, so I always had a... Sheets of paper, pens, pencils. Uh, apparently, I'd always have um, a black pen or pencil, and then I always had to have a red because I used to draw battle scenes and I needed red for the blood. That's what my mother tells me anyway. So I always drew as a child, and I think all the family's quite creative. So my, my father was a draftsman. He worked in a company called Telectron, which is in Tala Village. And this has gone back to uh, rulers and t-squares and pencils and, and, and ink pens um, my mother's always been involved in the arts and crafts she was a, a guide leader a guide leader for years so she did a lot of uh, arts and crafts with them she was
0: very creative so like you've always had a, like they've always had a creative kind of family in a sense
1: yeah both my granddads were carpenters so they would have made us toys as kids I remember getting a big fort one Christmas for for my toy soldiers that my granddad made. So they, they weren't just um craftsmen, um, creative. They were also, you know, they used to make loads of stuff my mother and her mother used to do curtains and clothes and stuff like that. So creative in other ways as well. So yeah, yeah. From, from a very creative background. Don't get me wrong, I, I drew all of my copies and books and desk and everything from day one. Uh, I'm a compulsive doodler. But um, I went to Drimna Castle and it was the three hours reading, writing and arithmetics. Uh, hurling and gah or football, that was it. They did a school play every two years and that was it. Mm. That was in second so even in primary now, art was never pushed to the fore. It just it wasn't really there. I did art for me, which was the intercert, which is now the junior cert. I had to take that as an extra subject. Now there was no written work; it was just drawing, um, and I did quite good in that. And then I dropped language for fifth and sixth class to do art, which was a it was a joke. And um, we didn't have a proper room; we were just on the normal desks. The teacher had no control over the class God all over. And um, there was a lot of messers in the class and so on. So it was a bit of a joke.
0: You didn't get any yeah, like uh, creative influence there. You, you, uh, it Not really. After, it was after secondary schools when you really kind of thought, yeah. maybe I want to do art. And if I want to do art, what are the steps I need to do? Do I need to go to college? Can I, can I go out on my own and just kind of find my own way? So you went to college uh, straight after? Yeah, I applied to
1: Ballyfermot to do animation. Mm-hmm. And I was told my portfolio wasn't good enough. But if I did the two-week introduction course during the summer between the leaving and um, starting college, I'd get a place. Now, I don't know whether that was to actually just get them another another person on their two-week summer course. Um, But it was beneficial. I enjoyed it. And then I started uh, animation drawing skills, which was the course. This was all 2D. No computers back then. That was in 1991. And I didn't even finish that course. Um, I, we got near the end, but it was a tragedy. One of our friends was, was murdered and I just sort of drifted off. And, uh, you know, it was yeah. a strange time. Mm. I, and i wasn't good enough anyway for 2d animation you have to be you really have to be the cream of the crop you have to be able to do landscape still life anatomy you name it you know even though you, you might see mickey mouse on screen but before you get to even that stage you, you have to you have to be really really good and i was nowhere near that
0: so what you're saying is, like there's different layers of of, anima- of, of drawing you have to be able to do before you can yeah actually do, yeah like, uh, basically
1: yeah. you have to I'd say out of the 20 in the class, maybe one or two might succeed, you know, that way. It was back then, it was sponsored by Sullivan Bluth, who did a, An American tale and Five goes west and all that. But you really had to be the cream of the crop to uh, to follow that path.
0: So like it was sponsored by like a, a company. So if the successful like artists would have been picked up by the yeah. art company yeah. and they, and they, some of these guys live over in the states now and, and animate for a Disney. A
1: lot of them went to work for Disney, Pixar, and so on. Yeah, this this has gone back to nineteen ninety one, ninety two. So it's nearly thirty years ago
0: that was a different Ireland. What, like, I mean, was art perceived as something people would pursue or was it very much like a, a, a unique career path to go?
1: Yeah. Very, very unique. I think, you know, you had Jim Fitzpatrick and one or two others, but it wasn't <laughs> Irish artists weren't very well known.
0: Yeah.
1: Obviously Sullivan Bluth seen something here. So they came and set up, I'm sure they got massive tax breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's
0: what they say about Ireland. We've got, we've got tax incentives and, so you done all your your studies but you all you but you after your studies did you pursue the art career straight away or did you go into well, the, the, I, I the workforce into
1: printing. I applied to NCAD and Mountjoy Square and somewhere else all on the CAO form
0: yeah
1: and I didn't get in even though it was all uh portfolio based I didn't get in to NCAD or Mountjoy Square so my fifth choice was print management mm mm-hmm in Bolton Street, so I ended up doing that. And then uh, I went to work in one of the biggest printing companies in Ireland called Cattle Printers as an estimator, so costing print jobs. okay. And then I worked in printing till 2007 in various roles, system management, estimating, costing. I was Marks & Spencer's customer service rep at one stage, and slowly but surely my, uh, my soul just seeped out my feet
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's i'd say that's it i'd say that there's a breaking point where you're like if i do this for another 10 years i'll probably hate myself so i, I may as well mm. do what i love it's it's not gonna be an easy road but at least you're doing it so when did you get back into actually doing uh, uh being being a, a full-time artist
1: well when i was working i i do a little bit i was always doodling still mm. um, and i and i sort of did a course in photoshop and, and I was self-taught a lot. So I, I'd always be messing around in Photoshop. Usually in work, I'd be messing with, say, lads from the job, and I'd Photoshop them and print it out, and we'd hang it up on the wall, you know, stuff like that. Then in about 2005, 2006, this is before I even left the printing. a friend of mine, Jane, gave me a her old Mac, this is when my computers were big and there was a, a Photoshop on it, and an illustrator. And she, re- she told me, I can see you as an illustrator or a graphic designer. So she gave me that and I didn't really pursue it then. But in 2008, I, I left the printing and I did a graphic des- a full-time graphic design course in Foss Cabra. And that was sort of the start so from Jane giving me that computer, that was the start to, to me coming back to art. The other big factor was Calvin, my dog, who you just met a few minutes ago. So I got Calvin in 2009, so 11 years ago. And we lived at Grand Canal Dock. And I was walking Calvin twice a day, as you have to. And it was we were walking around Windmill Lane and Grand Canal Dock and all up around that area every day. And I started noticing all the graffiti. And the street art and stickers and paste ups and murals, slowly but surely this awoke something in me. So I brought a camera with me and I started taking photographs. And this grew and grew and grew till I have, I probably have 30 or 40,000 photographs. And then I bought a sketchbook and then I bought pens and that sort of led me back down the path
0: there was something just just didn't ignite inside you to want you to go back into it because you didn't... I, I guess you probably didn't know which way you want to go with it, you know, because there's so many areas you can fall into as a, an artist. And so I was to working on
1: the printing, and I'll be honest with you, Shane, I had manic depression, binge drinking. I used to binge drink uh, two or three nights in a row, um, and then I wouldn't touch it for a week or two, and then I'd do it all again, and it was just this cycle mm. depression. And and I and I knew it was because I wasn't um I wasn't being creative, that part of me which is which is a big part of me wasn't being utilized, wasn't being explored, wasn't being used. Um, I was very good at me any jobs I did in the printing and all that. It wasn't me to uh, fight this and to get back to myself. I took up the art
0: no no it, it, it's it's good because you, you got back into it you know a lot of people i've started to listen to like all these kind of things on youtube you can listen to like audios uh books of like self-help books and there's there's one line of some uh, someone said some people die at 25 because they just commit to their, their careers and and they and they're buried at 65 you know what i mean so they die yeah. at 25 and they bury 65 because they just they just decide right i want a mortgage i want a family and family and mortgage doesn't connect with being an artist being creative unless you have a very very supportive support network in your life you know what I mean yeah now I want to go to this lockdown because this lockdown you're actually busy because for a lot of people lockdown was lockdown but for you you don't you got involved in a lot of projects can you tell the listeners about some projects you're involved in
1: I don't know whether you remember the start of the lockdown but there was a great meme going around and it's that saying, you know, Ray Liotta in Goodfellas, where he laughs, he's laughing at the table. You know, this this is a, an artist's or a creative person's reaction to told that they might be in lockdown for six or seven weeks. <laughs> like hysterical kind of on.
0: laugh, yeah, yeah,
1: You know, because you get so, you—you you, most people, a lot of artists work on their own anyway. Yeah. A lot of them work from home or, or even in the studio, so thought of doing even eight weeks of lockdown. You're just laughing and going, yeah, whatever, I'll get on with it. So it was a bit like that, so... I wasn't doing my mural work or or community um, engagement programs. So uh, I just spent a lot of time sketching and drawing and doing illustrations. So, yeah, Mm. I was very busy. Um, I started this project at the very start of lockdown. I had a a regular chest infection. Of course, I woke up. It was a Monday morning, of course. I woke up and thought, that's it. I have COVID. I can't breathe. I'm (laughs) going to (laughs) die. You have that panic So I rang the doctor And because I've asthma He sent me straight To the hospital This is before They even had the proper Testing set up And all that So the doctor saw me in the hospital And said I just have A regular chest infection Sent me home Got steroids Got antibiotics And I was told Self-isolate for two weeks So I was literally In my bedroom For two weeks Which is something I haven't done in years I mean I mean I didn't leave I had, I had an ensuite, But I didn't leave That area for two weeks it was proper Self-isolation So um, I started doing these collaborations with children's with friends children like a friends in Australia and and Sweden and in Ireland here and it was parents would send me a sketch they'd done usually a very bad phone photograph of the sketch and then I'd bring it into Photoshop and Illustrator and I'd colour it up and I'd add stuff and play around with it and come up with something and get a, a proper A3 printed version for them I'd email it back to the parents so they could print it out on their computer or get it printed in a digital printers when the lockdown was finished and this this sort of spread so I ended up doing 30, I think 39 I was, just one, I was one shy of the 40 so that, that was good crack I even did one or two with, with adults with the older children <laughs> yeah, but it was great, you had kids from Australia, England um, Holland all over Ireland, it was brilliant I really enjoyed it You know, and kids were just the, the feedback they couldn't wait to see what I had done with their, their pens, their line drawing, you know. It was initially for uh, my friend's children, you know, just to, to mm. give them something to do for an hour, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, lockdown, I remember just the same, like, just stuck indoors. You know, you could have broke the rules. Like, the streets were empty. There was no one around. Yeah. And people were doing what they were told. Now we're, we're what? nine months into it or eight months in and people are getting a bit restless but we're, we're, we're there's a bit of light down the tunnel with the opening around christmas but um like there's only uh, someone said like six months is the breaking point for most people where they go here yeah. you know we, we can't stay indoors for any, any longer it's it's tough on the mental health the physical health very, you know tough for a lot yeah. of people. and yeah. uh it's also another thing you're involved um it's called creative creative connections can you tell the listeners about the work you do with creative connections
1: well, Creative Connections is a company it's set up and run by a wonderful lady called Grania, and she used to run a company called Down to Earth Community Arts and Down to Earth Theatre, and that was um they ran it but it was it was financed or, or funded by FOSS, so there was a lot of uh, people on CE schemes and I did a CE scheme there in two thousand and sixteen and two thousand and seventeen painting murals in schools, uh, with school children you know it was. a Sort of environmental murals, pick up litter, that type of stuff, and then that finished. So she set up Creative Connections.
0: Yeah, so Creative Connections was set up by Grania, um, yeah. and it what was was a bit mainly focused on on like on secondary school, like
1: um. No, it's it's more commercial. So okay, um, we're doing a lot of work with DCC at the moment. We're painting, you know, the the big glass recycling bins, the horrible metal looking yokes. So we've painted. Yeah. Ten of them around Ballymone and Finglas. We're halfway through doing eight smaller plastic ones in Terranure. And then we do a lot of community-based murals, more so than schools. So we've done a lot in Cherry Orchard and in Ballymone and one, one or two other places. So, I think,
0: I've seen your one with the whale. I love that with the penguins on top in Ballymone.
1: Yeah, that was in Ballymone. That was myself and another artist named Pavel did that. And yeah. it was on front of the Rediscovery Centre. So that whole mural is about is about the environment. Yeah, and it sort of connects back to some of the the points um, of sustainability that the Rediscovery Center try and educate people about. So it's tied in with that.
0: I see you have a, a, a quite a broad kind of spectrum uh, of interest. Like you're into tribal art, psychedelic art. So you, like the psychedelic art will probably connect back to the Icon Factory. When did you start yeah. getting involved with the Icon Factory?
1: Um, this goes back to me coming back to art in 2011. I was walking around back lanes there in temple bar taking photographs of the graffiti and the street art and i stumbled across the icon factory it's behind the hard rock cafe there just off fleet street and they had little posters in the window saying if you want to have an exhibition come in and talk to us if you want to have an exhibition for free so i went in to have a chat there was a german lady named regina there so i had a great chat with her I ended up meeting Barney who set up the project. He was creating the Icon Walk, which is an outdoor installation. And they were creating it at that time. So I went in to ask about an exhibition and I left like an hour or two later promising to do eight illustrations of Irish actors and actresses for this uh, Icon Walk for free. And then later in the year, I had my first solo exhibition was called Soul Brothers. And it was sort of illustrations of uh, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, James Brown, all this music I was listening to at the time. Uh, Sly Stone, so James Brown, so on. So that was the first exhibition I had. 2011, I was 37.
0: How do you go about like getting an exhibition like out with the Icon Factory? Like, how would you how would you go, and would you just go to these uh, art places and say I want to do an exhibition?
1: Uh, I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't know anyone there. No contacts. Yeah, um, and I don't do I personally. Okay, yeah. I know do. I, I don't do that type of art per se. Okay. You know, I don't do sculpture, I don't do oil painting landscapes. So um yeah. and I'm not I'm just saying this in my experience sometimes, mm. you know, if you didn't go to art college, you don't have the degree and you don't have the context that, that, that would all go against you in, in that sort of world. The, the the fine art galleries, the RHA, all that. I I, I wouldn't have would I wouldn't be in with that much. I would I don't know much about it, you know.
0: But but street art is, is is um is growing a lot in dublin I think it's 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 connected to the whole cultural influence on dublin
1: i I love all types of art um, yeah. even some of the more modern stuff Some of it I like some that I don't but but since I got back into art that the most exciting stuff for me is stuff I've seen on the street um the likes of Aix is just so talented. If you ever see any of his murals, like the Dolores O'Riordan he did in Limerick, or even the recent one he did of the Hurler in Wexford, or there was a Wexford Street Art Festival, it's just phenomenal. The craftsmanship, the skill, and so on. But he's also been shown in, in his canvas work in, in places in London and so on, so he he, he is heading in that direction. But, but for me, it's, it's the likes of street art and even lowbrow art. Graphic design, tattoos, illustration. I love all that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I I still love to see the skills of oil painting and sculpture and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not able to do any of that, which is probably why I'm more focused on the others, the other stuff.
0: Your, your latest uh, exhibition with the Beatles-inspired one, that's quite um, psychedelic.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nearly all illustration. It's nearly yeah. all computer-generated, so not all of it, but most of it is all illustration work. And um, one of the reasons for that is it's just so easy to turn on a computer and, and start playing away. It's great fun. You know, although we do have um some mixed media pieces in it, like the John Lennon heads and the wall plaque, stuff like that. But for me, it was nearly all computer generated and, and I had great fun doing it. I really did. We're working on it for over two years and the night we opened, then level three kicked in and then level five. So it was closed.
0: So how long a run did you get? Because you were open Actually, for culture night or around there
1: for three weeks. Yeah, that was sort of private viewings because level three was in. Then level five kicked in, but that's that's why I made the video. As, as best I could. I'm not a professional filmmaker. I think we did a decent enough job of it so people could see the exhibition. We put all the artworks up online, you know, uh, uh, did a virtual exhibition as, as best we could. You know, we were going ahead with it anyway. We've been planning yeah. it for two years. Marianne, who I did the exhibition with, she had uh, her son James in between that time and then COVID came along and we just said, feck it, uh, we're going ahead with it. So we're going to keep it open for another few weeks into December and then. In case anyone does want to get in and see it, because you can look at it online, you can look at the video, but it's not the same. It's, it's just not.
0: Hopefully, it won't be for too long, and then people can physically go and and, and experience the your yep. um your Beatles inspired exhibition. Now, where did the idea for the Beatles inspired exhibition come from? Like, what? Like, can you remember that moment where you're like? So let's do the Beatles. Like the Beatles haven't been looked at in this kind of way before. Or
1: well, I, I've been a massive Beatles fan now for years. Um, and I really started getting into them, I suppose, in in the 90s hmm. when they became fashionable again with Oasis talking about them and the anthology and all that's when I really started getting back into them. And just I like did one of the illustrations. Um it was, I'm part of an illustration group, which is on hiatus at the moment. It's called the Blind Elephant Illustration Collective. And we used to illustrate words. Um, you do one illustration a month, prompted by a different word, very similar to Inktober. And there was anywhere from eight to 20 of us at one stage. And we had exhibitions, this, that, and the other. And a couple of Beatles-inspired illustrations seeped into that and Marianne same one and she said that's really good you know and and she put the suggestion forward forward about doing an exhibition because she loves folk you've probably seen her work and it's very folk arty outsider art naive even that type of art she loves all that and so I made her. now she would have known a lot of beat stuff anyway but I made her up three long playlists and um, covering all their different eras and she took a lot of inspiration then from the, you know the looks of Iron the Walrus and strawberry fields, you know because th- th- it really goes well with the folk art but so we just got stuck in I was walking down Panel Street one day past the Dublin Plaster Company you know the, they were famous for doing them white lady statues that were in all the windows
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so they yeah,
0: their yeah. Money.
1: yeah. So <laughs> everywhere I the made them I was walking by and they had this massive wall plaque of the Beatles in the Sergeant Pepper era and John Lennon heads, and I just took photographs and rang Marianne straight away and I said, these are, these are so bad, they're good, we're getting them like the kitschiest things I've ever seen <laughs> we're getting one of each of these of the plaque and then the head and we're, and we're going to put these in the exhibition. So I went in and bought them and they delivered them down to us and things sort of went from there and yeah. the COVID came but we we had planned it I so just said Fuck yeah. it, let's go ahead with it.
0: Now, definitely. People like in their 20s now wouldn't know Beatles as well, okay? But I'm talking about like when Beatles were around, Beatles were only around for 10 years and it's 50 years later and people are still influenced by them and that's that's unbelievable to think. But there's one,
1: there's one thing I forgot to mention. We were going to piggyback on the, the Peter Jackson's new Beatles documentary called Get Back. Okay. So Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings fame was given all the footage from the Let It Be sessions yeah. in, in sixty eight, sixty nine, and I don't know whether you've seen his film on World War One. I. I think it was called When We Were Young or We Were Young. I could be wrong with the name, but he got all this old black and white footage from World War One. His company and they cleaned it up, digitized it, put voiceovers, got all the colors right, and it's yeah. just a phenomenal documentary. So they're doing the same to all this Beatles footage, cleaning it all up. Um, it's called Get Back. It's not going to be Let It Be part two. That was supposed to be released in September, so we were going to piggyback on that. <laughs> okay, would have been yeah. the conscious, consciousness yeah. again. Of course, that with with um with COVID, it's had to be put back now to 2021. We said we'd go ahead with the the interview With the exhibition anyway Such a fertile ground Mm. They did so much in 10 years From please Mr Postman To I'm the walrus To get back You know And then especially in the psychedelic period There's just so much And and a lot of it would be John Lennon um, For the more surreal stuff It's just for visual art It's Mm. just a great uh, It's great pickings I think Illustrator Ireland They had an illustration Beatles exhibition a few years ago as well
0: yeah, I went on the the magical mystery tour in Liverpool. You ever you ever done that?
1: Never been to Liverpool, no oh,
0: man, Liverpool as you know it is it's got that Irish connection because like it's not that far away, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of Irish diaspora over there. But I went to the you go on the bus tour and it brings you around Liverpool. It brings you like uh, you know, the long and winding road, which is the road from where John Lennon lived with his aunt for yeah. many a year. He used to walk along that road to Paul McCartney's house to do to write write those songs, write all those classics we know and love today. Also, Strawberry Fields as well. They brought you there, and just like just talked about all the, the the you know the chain, the, the guy who didn't make the the original four, and then Brian Epstein, and if Brian Epstein hadn't walked into the cavern yes. that night, but uh, they are very interesting as well because they weren't just like boy band, or pop star or rock stars. They were all they also had a an opinion, you know.
1: The, the exhibition's called Here's Another Clue for You All which is a it's a, a lyric from the song Glass Onion the White Album mm. and in it basically John Lennon who wrote the song is, is baiting all the the Beatle people as they used to call them the, the, the freaks who bought you know all the, these hidden messages and, and all this which obviously the bad side of that was Charles Manson and the Helter Skelter killings and so on in uh, 1969. That that was the downside of the opposite side of of the fun John Lennon was having with them. But throughout the exhibition and all the pieces, there is all these little clues, especially if you see the Caravaggio photo collages I done or mashup, you know, it stuck loads of references in for any heavy Beatles fans, you know. They're great pickings for that, you know. Was they just that there was some Paul, Paul McCartney is dead, you know, George Harrison and his Indian connection, you know, Ringo and, and the acting and this, that and the other Paul McCartney and, and, you know, everything he was into. So there's just so much. They sold, they reckon over 180 million albums, which is more than Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones put together, you know, if you put things into perspective. They are the biggest selling band of all time. Like Michael Jackson and Madonna and all these did sell millions and millions, but they reckon the Beatles is 180 million since the 60s. Yeah. No, no one else has sold anywhere near anything like that in their catalogue.
0: McCartney, he's been to Dublin a few times, and like, I've seen the ticket prices he charges, like €170 euro for a ticket. Yeah, like. No, they, no. Have you ever seen McCartney play or, oh, I've or I've the never seen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I pay that amount of money, but I guess if it's, you're going to get all the the Beatles' back catalogue, you know, yeah, well, be yeah, yeah, it might be worth it. Yeah, 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 no fair play to him indeed. I, this is just a, a question that I have just thought up. Um, if you're on a desert island, what one piece of equipment would you want? Would you could you not survive without?
1: I don't know. I'd, I'd probably take the sketchbook and pens. with me. I know that's two. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, look, I did Inktober this year, which I loved. You do a drawing every day for for the month, prompted by a word that they mm. put on Instagram. The Polish Arts Festival, which is set in Limerick, although it's online this year, just opened a couple of days ago. I think it was on Friday, no, last Thursday. And I have put 10 ink drawings into that. And they're all COVID-related. It's called my COVID experience. And a lot of these I did in that initial lockdown I was telling you about. Yeah. And I have not put any of them online because some of them are quite dark. They're actually quite the opposite of of the, the, the children's illustrations I was doing at the same time. Um, but I had to let the, the negative stuff out, and I usually do that in my sketchbook. So, um, Although I'd love to bring spray paint to the island, that would run out so uh, quicker. So maybe a, maybe a bottle of ink. I could, I could find a feather and, and some paper or something yeah. to draw on, bark. But yeah, that would probably be it if I had to... <laughs>
0: Now, let's, you're talking about festivals, so you are done a Polish arts festival, and, and uh, you I, I, I've seen, I used to live in Edinburgh myself, and you've done rock. Rock to dock. Yeah, rock to dock. Talk, let's talk about rock to dock. How does that work?
1: Um, this is one of the great things about street art, and yeah. graffiti, and mural art. Um, you get to meet a lot of people. So I have a great friend also in Limerick. He's a graffiti writer. He writes Shook, S-H-U-K. Shout out to, to Shuk. And myself and Chuck don't drink alcohol anymore, so we used to hang around uh, together a lot at the different street art festivals. Um, even when even we'd go to the pubs and all, never had any issue with that. Yeah. All the other artists be getting pissed, <laughs> we'd be the only two sober fools there. So we, we we sort of hung around a lot, you know, do the coffee runs for one another and all. So he said, "I'm going to." He had a, he met someone to another festival who it was a Polish lad who lived in Edinburgh and. Yeah. He said, I'm going to Edinburgh to rock the dock, do you want to come? I said, I do. So just the great thing about about the street art or painting, you get to meet a lot of people and you get to travel. So uh, Lucas was the lad in, in Edinburgh, he put us up on his couch and on his floor we got cheap flights over he met us at the airport we got to train out Just this big long legal wall in Edinburgh it's near the docks hence it's called Rock the Dock and they were having a festival so we got our space on the wall we went we got our cans of spray paint and, and we did that and it was great great crack you, you talk to the lads next you walk around you talk to all the other artists Usually, there's nights out. There wasn't that night. Nice? So usually, there's nights out in the pub or in the hotel afterwards, wherever you're staying, and, and it's go crack. And some people bring their sketchbooks and you draw on each other's sketchbooks and stuff like that. There's a lot of weed being smoked and people <laughs> doing cans for those who are into it. You know, so it's quite sociable. It's it's
0: a community uh, uh, such like it's like you're all doing your your thing. You know in, independently, or you all get to kind of meet once a year, maybe, and just kind of maybe share ideas, or would you share spaces, yeah. or what?
1: Yeah, I painted in Waterford Walls three years in a row, that's the biggest street art festival in Ireland, and that was great crack. Um, and a lot of time, it would be the same Irish artists going year after year, and then all the internationals coming in, so that was good crack. Is that is that an event? <laughs> is it a competition? Is there a prize? No, or it's, it's an just... event, it's on every year. So, I did 2018, 17, 18, and 19, brilliant really enjoyed it and um, it was great cracking you meet lots of different artists from all over the world and uh, it's good fun I did a few other festivals as well and um electric picnic and the old city jam which is unfortunately now finished they used to, that well that's more graffiti that used to be in the tivoli theater but street art or, or painting on walls whatever you want to call it hate labels is is very uh sociable because you do a lot of collaborations you paint with people you go out for the day you might yeah. go out for two days in a row and, and you, you stand at the wall and paint and every so often you stop and you have a chat you just put music on some people like to have a few drinks, a few spliffs, whatever they want. It's, it's quite sociable, you know.
0: i think you, you've been as far as Memphis as well as the Memphis paint. When did you Yeah, go I went
1: to Memphis in 2018. I had applied for three or four festivals here and in England, and I didn't get them. And then I seen Paint Memphis come up on Facebook, so I just messaged them. And they says, Yeah, you make it to Memphis off your own bat. We'll get you accommodation, we'll get you all, we'll get you paint. And I said, I'm going. This is my holiday this year. I hadn't been out of Ireland in years. Going back to the art, and, and as great as it was for my head and my heart, it wasn't great for the pocket for many years. So I didn't have a lot of foreign holidays. So I booked my flights, and I had uh, 10 days over there, and it was brilliant.
0: Do you like actually like performing? Live, or would you prefer behind the scenes and unveil it to to uh, uh, the public after?
1: Like, no, I don't mind. I, I, no. I love the, I love painting at the festivals.
0: And do you give a commentary when you're doing something, or just, just you're, you're, sometimes you're, yeah, people you're, you're zoned on. in?
1: It's 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 a mixture. It's it's no one thing. You know, you could have a couple of hours where you're, you have the, the headphones on and you're just doing your thing, and then there's other times like people want to have a quick chat and that it's great. Mm. That's part of it.
0: But you wouldn't dive in to, to something without maybe sketching it beforehand? Or would you dive in there and just kind of play it by no, ear?
1: No, unfortunately, sometimes I just dive in. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm doing that less and less. Yeah, Generally, for like water for the Walls and stuff like that, you have to give them a sketch to get the wall because they can't take the chance. They have to be careful, you know, what goes up on the walls because it's, it's, it's a public... Um, it's a city... Uh, yeah.
0: council sort of yeah,
1: yeah well, all of that whereas if you're just painting with the lads in an abandoned warehouse somewhere you, you can do what you want you
0: know <laughs> yeah now um is there funding for for your type of art here in Ireland
1: no, no generally not no most of them you make your own way yeah you might get accommodation and a couple of cans of paint on and, and, and a space on a wall if you're a big name, which I'm not by any stretch, you get your flights paid for. You might get paid to attend the festival and you get all your paint, a nice hotel and so on. And, and that's that's cool. You know, you, a lot of these lads around and, and women are out of years. They're top of their game, you know, and they they, they bring a certain gravitas to a festival. They've done the hard work and they're reaping the benefits. But I'm, I'm nowhere near that. I'm, I'll admit, you know, straight up. We call them spray-cations. So I would rather spend the money going somewhere to paint at a festival, meet people, have a great time, than say spend the same money going to sit in the sun for two weeks. That that wouldn't be my cup of tea at all. So
0: one place you've been to, okay, over the years, that you've went to the place, like Berlin, for example, is full of artists. Have you ever been to Berlin? Uh,
1: In 2007, just before I sort of came back to the arts, and I was really enjoying looking at street art over there, so it was probably a spark
0: apart from berlin for example like i i've been to brazil and and yeah. brazil like graffiti street art is immense you know and yeah uh, again it's just it's special you know and, and dublin's starting to get like that now and we're starting to accept street art we're starting to like you, you know because people will tag walls and stuff like that and it looks bad but if street art is done well it looks good and if you ever get a chance to go to san paulo rio Beautifully done. I want to know a city you've been to around Europe or around the world that has inspired, like, maybe a, a, an exhibition of yours or, or, or a creation.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. I went to Australia in 2017, was it? Which, which actually, that was my first holiday in years, not Memphis. Memphis was my second one. I have friends living in Australia, so I went over to visit them. Mm-hmm. But I took a few days to Melbourne on my own, specifically to look at and photograph street art. Some of the biggest names in the street art world would have pieces in Melbourne, and to me, I suppose it was it was like someone going to see the Mona Lisa or the Statue of David. So to see the likes of Um Soffel's or Smoke and a couple of the Fintan McGee and so on, these. Big artists and their very famous pieces in Melbourne would have been the same for me. And walking down all the laneways and the side streets, every, everywhere it's just covered in stickers, paste-ups, tags, throw-ups, yeah. pieces, murals. I love it all from, from stickers to tags to everything. You know, I love the whole uh, legal or illegal, defacement or not, it's, it's all sorts, they're all two sides of the same coin. You know, you don't sure. have one without the other. And um, I, I actually love looking at a doorway, say a metal doorway down the lane, where a wooden doorway that's covered in tags mm. and stickers. To me, it's almost Jackson Pollock esque, you know, all these scribbly tags. Yeah, and drip. Yeah, yeah. To me, it can be quite, quite beautiful. And I like that. It's not for everyone. And I know it's probably illegal. What I feel about it, a lot of it, yeah, it's illegal and so on. But morally speaking, for me, I would rather see a kid. A troubled teenager with a marker or a spray paint can in their hand and a needle or a bottle—that's just how I feel about. It. I'm not. I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. Um, if, if it's illegal, I'm not saying it's wrong, and so on. That's just how I feel. I'd, I'd. love to see more art programs being pushed, more legal walls for teenagers out there. You know, stuff like that. More uh, sort of community-based, maybe. You know, there's graffiti writers and mural artists out there. Get them in to do. Mm courses with these kids or teenagers you know even if you had 10 teenagers on a course and you helped change one of them go towards a more explore the creative so it, it's worth it you know that's that's how I feel anyway And but not only that like the same with music with poetry with dance anything creative that's how people fulfil their life it's yeah. come back to you. It's saying dying at twenty-five, but burying at sixty-five. Yeah. Unfortunately, people, you know, they get married, they've kids, they they've mortgages, they they have to mm. um, keep this nine-to-five job, which maybe is killing their soul. But if they have their other outlet, whether it's photography or Irish dancing on the weekend or cycling or whatever, once they still have that, that's that's what makes life worth living. Now, picking yeah. up the guitar with your mates on a Saturday night, whatever yeah. it is, we, we all have it. Everyone has something. Whether it's it's kicking a football or something and it's, it's that you need to uh, focus your energy on Some well, people, I picked up a spray yeah, can for the yeah. first time when I was 37 thanks to my dad's genes biological genes, not his Levi's I'm quite young looking anyway for my age But I honestly think I had a, a, I had a rebirth And I was hanging around with a lot of um, people That were maybe 5, 10, 15, even 20 years younger than me And I just, I, I never felt that I was heading into my 40s I'm, I'm in my mid-40s now, I'm 46 But I don't feel 46 as to what the 20-year-old me Would have thought a 46-year-old was
0: Actually, you don't look 46, yeah, I'll give you that No, you don't, you don't, even, you don't even look 40 Yeah, you do, you do have Thanks. good genes that's,
1: that's Yeah. Camera, but, <laughs> um, but but the point I'm trying to make is it's never yeah. too late. Even no. for these people who are in soulless jobs, it's it's never too late to make the change. You just have to, I suppose, set up the dominoes, and that's not always easy. I couldn't afford a house. I say I could barely afford to, to run a car, and still do everything I want to do. So there is sacrifices. Yeah, I work every day, even before I come on to this I was setting up a, f- a business page there on Facebook. Jesus, talk about getting the runaround, you know. It's, it's hard work. You have to do something every day, whether it's even just sketching for yourself to to improve your your skills, to doing all your online stuff, your business stuff, you know. Yeah. Like anything, it's, it's a lot of hard work. It yeah. Comes easy.
0: You're working away, the way, the bins are your main kind of...
1: Yeah, we're doing business. some in there in your... These are the smaller plastic ones. Yeah. And being terranure we sort of went with an art deco style, you know, and we're getting a, a quite a good positive response from the locals. So we're back in now tomorrow and we'll see what damage was done because they got collected on Saturday and they get lifted up and they drop but they get bashed off the side of the truck. There's no weight in them once the glass is out of the plastic, once mm. the glass is gone. Just a hollow kind of shell, yeah. essentially, yeah. yeah. And we need to see if they've been damaged much with the scrapes and stuff. Mm. Um, and if we're wasting our time, I don't know whether they'll, they'll do any more of the plastic bins around, which would be unfortunate.
0: I think the metal ones work very well, because you, you, you've seen over lockdown... Those metal ones are rammed, people are leaving bags beside them because they were so full, because people are on, yeah. on, on the drink, you know. And when the metal ones are done well, they look they look well because it's because they're all rusted without, yeah. it, you know, you know what I mean? So if the,
1: bits, yeah. yeah no, so if, if you had paint an them. amazing response. Like people don't realize, and like good people, I mean, like the likes of DCC and that, like, because people use these bins so much, they don't think twice about them. But then when they come along and next thing. There's this, and it's nearly all abstract-y, stuff that we're doing on them. We, we're trying to stay away from narration because then you start running into ho- all other issues, you know. Do yeah. you do a white person? Do you do, you know, you get into all <laughs> So So they're, they're quite abstract if you want. So yeah. basically going for colour and energy. Yeah. But people love it. Yeah. Just something as, as simple as a bin that they use maybe once, twice a month just to see even a difference there. And it does click, because they'll always say, are you doing it for DCC or Dublin City Council? And we we'll go, yeah. So it does click with them. Yeah. So we're releasing a video now this week of some of the bins we've painted and uh, Dublin City Council are going to promote it and all that. So cool. you can see. And I, I love painting them, because we sort of get to do what we want mm. in, in that sort of abstract style. And it's mm. it's good practice. Then you're not worrying about having to get the likeness to someone right or anything like that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. But, now I, I want to talk about the Icon Factory again because I believe they've sold that bit of land there, and 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 you look and they're looking to. You want to keep that space because it, it's it's a cultural space, and Dublin's changing. D- Dublin, there's hotels being built, there's you know there's resident, not residential, but you know it's all corporate. You know it's not Dublin that we were we're, we're used to growing up. You know like Dublin ha- has a certain energy about. It. That's why people travel here. How can people help save the Icon Factory?
1: Well, we have. Two buildings. One is the icon factory, which is the gallery and the shop. Um, and okay. beside that is Agus Shot Studios. Agus helped set up the, the project in two thousand and ten with a, a man named Barney. So the two of them are responsible for it. So she set up the studio in two thousand and six when the land when that building came up, the the landlord asked her, would she take over the lease? as part of the icon factory. So she set up that studio and all the different volunteers, it's a volunteer it's, it's a it's a charity and no one gets paid. So all the volunteers, the artists could usually book a couple of time slots in with that studio. And then there's a hearing aid company around the corner which is closed. So the landlord owned them three buildings and they were sold and the three of them are going to be knocked into one to make a restaurant. So I can't say too much about it because uh, we're dealing with them on a legal level between Mm. ourselves and the landlords. But we are looking to stay in the area we have the icon walk art installation in the back laneways there in Temple Bar over three or four laneways. It's um it's a cultural installation. It's a cultural history of Ireland from 1922 to now, backed up by illustrations of all the different Irish icons from the Dubliners, James Joyce, Oscar Wilde, Edna O'Brien, so on. So we do want to stay in the area to keep managing that project. We'd love to stay in Temple Bar. So we mm. have a petition online at the moment where we're petitioning the Arts Council, Dublin City Council, and so on to make. Maybe see if they can try and help us by offering us, I don't know, a government building or something like that in the area or or an empty building that we pay a nominal rent. We couldn't afford, say, the commercial rents they pay you pay on on Fleet Street or so on you know, if you're um, Carol's or one of these restaurants I pubs we couldn't afford that we were down this back laneway and it was under use for many years so we got a decent rent there and we helped clean it up we helped brighten up the area with paint and artworks and we want to stay in the area so if people could go on to the Facebook page or our Instagram page or our website Somewhere there, you'll see a link to the petition. And it's one of these petitions. You only have to sign your first name, your surname, and your put your email address in. You don't have to verify it. None of that, you know, that people hate with some of these petitions. That's all you have to do is and literally put in them three bits of information and, and click sign. And that's it. That's all we ask. Or if you're a secret multimillionaire or businessman and you want to help us out, or woman, and you want to help us out, uh, please contact us. Yeah. You know, through the Icon Factory Facebook page, mm. or the website, or if you if you work in in one of the the local government uh, agencies or offices, and you feel you might be able to help, we're all ears. We've done a lot for the area. We've done a lot for artists and creative people over the years, and we'd love to still keep going.
0: That's an passion, please. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, what I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll share this when, when, um, uh, when I post it up. Once again, thanks for coming on. Yeah,
1: no problem.
0: All right, Kevin. Uh, thanks for your time, and I'll talk to you yeah. soon. Thanks,
1: Shane. All the I'll, best. I'll see
0: you. Take it easy. Yeah, I'll see you. And that was Kevin Bone. He's a mural artist, painter, illustrator. He's a talent native. Very interesting story indeed. And once again, guys, it's episode 30. Next episode is coming out next week. But if you want to go back and listen. Previous episodes. We have 29 more episodes. Uh, enjoy them. And if you did like to, guys, please like, share, comment. And once again, you're always welcome here on Heartlines. Take it easy. Bye bye.